Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Philippians. Chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and they have sent him a gift in his imprisonment, uh, some things that he has needed and have met those needs. And uh, uh, in verse 10 of chapter 4, Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, but now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye ye did communicate with my affliction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for sending your son to die for us on the cross and rise again and thereby making a provision for our greatest need uh, the forgiveness of our sins that we may simply receive by faith the forgiveness that you offer in Jesus Christ uh, as a gift only Father being turning from our sins in our hearts being sorry for them we might call upon you for salvation and forgiveness Father, I thank you that's available to all who would want to be with thee in heaven one day. Father, uh, I thank you for that. Uh, Lord, I pray this morning you'd fill my dear wife with your spirit, relaying the message in sign. and I help and fill those in the nursery watching the children, Father. And, uh, please help me and fill me with your spirit ministering your word this morning. I thank you, dear God, for the word that's gone forth already in the children's uh, Sunday school hour or the adult Sunday school hour. Uh, What a blessing it is to know that we have the living word of God, the very words of life, and the words that can give life, and uh, and whereby we are are washed and purified as we uh, practically, Father, as we draw unto thee. We thank you. We praise you. Father, work in every heart this morning. Uh, We're thankful for each one here. We're thankful for those that are with us uh, online. Father, uh, you love each one. And I just pray that you would help us all and speak to every heart this morning. May your word, we pray, uh, go forth that souls would be saved and that those saved, those lives would be changed to glorify your name. Father, help us, we pray, and ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Right, I've entitled the message this morning, The College of Contentment, The College um, of Contentment. Uh, It's something that we all struggle with, being content. Uh, That uh, uh, doesn't come uh, through the old nature that's in us. It takes God to help us learn what truly what, what contentment is. Uh, it has to be learned. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith uh, to be content. It's something that we have to learn. Uh, I was listening to a preacher earlier this week. Some of you might have heard. I think it was David Jeremiah. He talked about a woman who had traumatic brain injury and uh, uh, in 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 she was in the hospital and a uh, 
new nurse had been hired on at the hospital and she was given the responsibility to care for this lady. Uh, this lady's name was Irene and uh, it was known to be one of the most thankless tasks in the hospital because Irene's uh, uh, TBI, uh, traumatic brain injury, had affected her so that she couldn't move anything in her body. You couldn't really tell that uh, she was alive except for vital signs. And so those caring for her would have to turn her from side to side to keep the, getting, from getting the bed sores and such. Uh, they fed her through, through a mush that they worked down through a tube that went down in, in, inside of her. And the uh, head nurse informed this newly hired nurse uh, about the situation. And she said, you, you just have to distance yourself from it. It's, it's almost too much to handle. So, so uh, you know, don't, don't get emotionally involved. Just it's a task that needs to be done. And so that's the, that's the way you'll get through that. Well, this new hire uh, wasn't content in her heart uh, to treat Irene just like a task that needed to be done. And so when she went in and cared for Irene, she would turn her and such and do all that she needed to do. And she'd be talking to her the whole while, uh, talking about the day, telling her about her day, and, and, uh, and just uh, making... Uh, conversation as best one can in that situation with Irene and uh, she can she was doing this and continued this and she even began uh, bringing her gifts small gifts that were wrapped not knowing if she ever would be able to open them and uh, and, and uh, show any response uh, none of the nurses had ever seen any kind of response from Irene that she recognized anything going on around her. And so she came in one day and, <clears throat> uh, well, she had a day off. You back up. She had a day off. It was Thanksgiving. She was off on Thanksgiving. But the hospital called her in to care for Irene on Thanksgiving Day. And at first she was kind of upset about it. and So she went in and she got in the room there to, you know, where she would have to begin to care for Irene. And, and she began talking to Irene. And she said, you know, Irene, this was supposed to be my day off. And, and I, I really wasn't really happy about them calling me in on my day off. She says, but you know, Irene, she said, now that I'm here, I'm glad they did. Because if, if they hadn't called me in, I wouldn't have been able to spend Thanksgiving with you. And as she was talking to Irene, the phone rang. Uh, the nurse uh, turned to pick up the phone and uh, address the phone call. And as she turned, she looked over, and Irene was looking up at her. And she was crying, looking at her in the eye. And the tears had stained the sheet so that there were two circles of the wet marks where the tears had come down her face, looking at the nurse. And Irene died just a couple days after that. And uh, that was a heart-touching story. Uh, God made us in his image, didn't he? And it's certainly a difficult thing uh, when the brain is separated from the body in that way. And you know, it's a difficult thing even more when the spirit is separated from God. See, God didn't make us to be separated from him, did he? He didn't design us that way. But yet, in the Garden of Eden, that's just what happened. God made us creatures with a free will. God is love. He created us that he might show his love to us and that we might be able to show love back to him. 
And so he gave us a choice. Forced love is a contradiction in terms. It's not love if you can't choose to love. So God gave Adam and Eve that choice. What did Jesus tell us in the New Testament? If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, he gave one, Adam and Eve one commandment. They had a choice. Their relationship with God or what they wanted to do. Actually, listening to the evil one who spoke to the serpent, they made the wrong choice. And we received, uh, as a human race, TSI, traumatic spirit injury. And the very spirit that communicates with God within us at that point was separated from God. And we became sinners by nature through Adam and Eve. It's what we will do in our lives apart from God's intervention and changing of that course. And God, that's our nature. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they have foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible there is talking about the living of the Christian life. You know, how you, you know, uh, we give as God directs, we serve as God directs, we get together and worship. Uh, God changes the language of a Christian. Uh, God helps the Christian to love their enemies. Uh, the world doesn't understand that. They can't comprehend that. Uh, the Christian can actually be content. Like we're going to see today. The world knows no contentment. There's no true contentment apart from God. And from knowing Him. But even as believers. Contentment as Paul writes. Must be learned. We have to learn this. Uh, this contentment. In Romans 6, 4, it talks about our salvation. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should what? Walk in newness of life. God puts in his spirit inside every believer. The moment a person trusts Jesus Christ to be their Savior... For the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus Christ alone by the way. Not your church. Or your good works. Or your baptism. Or your communion. Only what Jesus did. That he's a perfect son of God. He died and rose again. As the full payment for sin. When God's spirit convicts somebody about their sin. And they turn to Christ in their hearts. Asking forgiveness for that sin. Trusting in what he did. That's when he puts the spirit. Inside of you immediately. After that, ye were trusted, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1. And so, he can then begin to teach us from within and by his word, by his spirit, this thing about, about contentment. Not that I speak in respect of want, Paul said, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul had just mentioned he could be content even in poverty. If that's what God had for him. The world has no idea. What that means. What that is. How could one be content in poverty? Uh, the old nature knows nothing of that. Uh, being content in that. But what? First uh, John 2.16 For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. Is not of the Father. But is of the world. Those things are not of God. The old nature can't appreciate uh, the things of God. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. That's why the world can't find contentment unless they're born again. Because they still have that traumatic spiritual, spiritual injury if they haven't trusted Jesus Christ to be their Savior yet. Their spirit is still separated from God, you see. So they can't know contentment. Uh, children of wrath by nature, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 says. 
Contentment. People need to get saved, and then we and then we as saved need to learn this thing of contentment. Looking at learning this thing, every believer must learn to be content. Number one, contentment is learned through exhortation. Number one, contentment is learned through exhortation. Paul said, "For I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content." Uh, we learn about contentment from this exhortation of the scriptures. Uh, the things that Paul wrote that we're reading is scripture. The things that Paul exhorted the church with. Uh, he was speaking the words of God. became scripture as he wrote it. And we learn about contentment. What it is. And, uh, and uh, can look. Uh, you know can gear our hearts and minds toward that. As we learn from the scripture. Uh, Paul tells them in, the, in verse 9 there. Uh, uh, in, in Philippians 4 those things which ye have what both learned and received and heard and seen in me do we're going to tie in verse 9 with this message too as well see how it uh, supports each point but learning this thing of contentment through the exhortation of the scriptures 1 Timothy 6 6 but, God, but godliness with contentment is great gain See, contentment is the partner of godliness. We're not going to really know contentment without godliness. And uh, that's a part of being godly, being content. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 8, having what? Food and raiment therewith be content. That's pretty tough, isn't it? We think. You know, we often throw in there, and I, and I do it too. I think God understands we need, we need a home too. But you know, maybe that really shouldn't be put in there. Because I'm sure the Apostle Paul was homeless a few times during his trip. What do you think? Matter of fact, I, was, I know he was homeless when he spent three days in the deep. Amen. He didn't have a roof over his head when he was bobbing up and down in the ocean there, did he? And what did he say? With food and raiment there would be content. Wow, that's a... That's a miracle, isn't it? Only God can what? Do that miracle from inside you and I. Only God could be the one sufficient enough to make us content in that situation. He designed us to be fulfilled in Him. He designed us in that way. And yet He gives us this free will to exercise, to learn of Him, and to draw closer to Him as we desire that, that relationship. Contentment is obviously a necessary facet of peace. You couldn't be at peace in your heart if you're not if you're not at peace in your heart if you're not content. Uh, in uh, you know, we sing blessed quietness, holy quietness. What assurance in my soul? Kind of uh, synonymous there with with contentment. Temporal blessings themselves do not guarantee contentment. Temporal blessings themselves don't guarantee contentment. Proverbs 17.1 Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than in a house full of sacrifices with strife. <laughs> Better that dry piece of bread for that hungry man that is yet content in his soul because of God. Then that big feast laid out on the table for the rich man who knows perhaps nothing about God, just trying to be content with things and not ever being able to grasp it. By the way, riches aren't evil, it's what? The love of money is root of all evil. There are rich men, thank God, that love God. Amen. And by the way, that are content. And there are those living in financial poverty, we would, uh, we would say, especially in our nation, uh, in the way they rate that, that are what? Content. Because they know God. Because God is sufficient. And He will what? Supply all our, what's the word? Need. All our need. Every believer can say that. Uh, What is contentment? It's a result of trusting in the Lord of your lot. 
God oversees every circumstance and thing in my life. He's trying to make me as a Christian more like Jesus Christ. And he will do everything he deems necessary. He will bring everything necessary in my life that he deems necessary to make me like Jesus. So when something comes in my life, I have to remember, it's already come past the desk of God. And God has considered that thing. He's either caused it or allowed it. He says, yep, I can use that to make Bob Crawford more like Jesus. I'll let that in his life or I'll put that in his life. And by the way, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. He can use that. That's what contentment is. God's overseeing my lot. Everything he does for reason. And guess what? He doesn't show me all the reasons down here, does he? <laughs> Matter of fact, some of our greatest growth spiritually is when he doesn't show the reasons. Because then we just have to trust him. Say, trust his heart. By the way, God is love. And that's true. That is true. Being content with our law in life. 2 Timothy 3.12 Paul encouraged them that uh, there were some people running around not working because they thought Jesus was coming any day. Well, let's just quit our jobs and we'll run around and just witness all the time, not work and provide for our bills and pay our, you know, our needs. That's what some of them are doing. Paul rebuked them. He said, no, the Bible, if, if, if any doesn't work, he ought not to eat. But Paul told them that they were to work. He said, uh, he said that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. That is the things of your lot. See, if God has enabled me to have bread and butter and water for dinner tonight, and that's what's on the menu, guess what? That's my lot for tonight. And God would tell me to be content with that. I'm supposed to be content with my lot. By the way, I have far more than that, and I think, and, and, and all of us in here do. But yet God says, I want you to be content with what I give you, what I put in your law. That's contentment, knowing that he's in control of it. Jesus said in, in Luke 12, 15, A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. It amazes me how prone to covetousness we are. Covetousness is just thinking that something else can take the place of God. Many things we think can do that. I would be full of joy. By the way, who fills us with joy? God does, the Holy Spirit. I would be full of joy if my health were perfect. Not the answer. I would be full of joy if my bank account were just a little bit more. Trying to put it in place of God. I'd be filled with joy if I could get the old beater running again and just get, get to work on time. That, those are all things they were trying to put in God's place, which is why the Bible calls covetous what? Idolatry. Expecting circumstances or things or even other people. To fulfill our lives when only, when only a relationship with God can do that. That's why he calls it idolatry. So we learn about contentment. Contentment is learned through exhortation. The preachings and teachings of the scripture. Uh, that which we read. Uh, secondly, uh, contentment is learned through example. Or, or, or through uh, exhortation. The first one was... Let me get, let me get ahead of myself here. Oh, let me turn the page here. <clears throat> Help us if I get this right too. Yes, point number two. Contentment is learned through example. Through example. Uh, Paul writes here, he says, uh, uh, verse 11 and following, uh, he says, I don't speak in respect of want or, or as though I, I'm needy. He says, I've learned. And what sort of said he there with to be content? He goes on to talk about the things that he's learned in his life. You see, Paul's life, what? He became, his life became an example 
of contentment, didn't it? From what we, from what we read. I learned, I've learned what sort of state I am therewith to be content. And Philippians uh, uh, 4.9 talks about that. He says, those things you have what? Heard and seen in me. Look at the example. Even the things you've heard about me and from me, which also would include the word of God there, will help you and lead you to contentment. So many examples. 1,600 years was the span of the writing of this book. And so many lives within it give us what? Examples that we can see to teach us about contentment. We can learn from the positive examples and we can learn what? From the negative examples. This book is filled with people who can teach us lessons by their example in contentment. Some good examples, some bad. And it's full of them. Paul became a good example. He learned to be content. By the way, the believers at Philippi themselves, it seems, became a good example. Paul talked about here uh, their uh, giving had, 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 had ceased for a bit. And he says uh, in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. Uh, let me back it up here, 410. <clears throat> but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care may have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. You see, the church at Philippi was the only one that was giving to him, it seems, for quite a while. And that ceased for a while. Now, from what we understand, the way, the way that Paul writes that, that didn't cease because they were backslidden. He says, you were careful about that. In other words, they were still concerned about, meeting, about doing what they could for Paul. But the Bible says what? You were still careful about it, but you lacked opportunity. See, to send that help, they had to send uh, uh, whatever they would send from Philippi to Rome, where Paul was in prison. And for some reason, the circumstances for a while didn't allow that to happen. Too dangerous, maybe? Uh, messengers sick, maybe? We were not told what, what blocked the opportunity. Why the opportunity was lost or wasn't available for a while. But when it opened back up, they sent it. And so the Apostle Paul uh, encourages uh, them in that. In 2 Corinthians 8, 2, he talks about their giving. He says, In a great child of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. This is a godly church. They were giving. And uh, they also had become examples uh, of contentment. And uh, Solomon, Ecclesiastes, never found contentment when he tried to look at life without God, did he? I'm going to ponder the wisest man but the Bible tells us in the world. I'm going to think about the purposes and, and prophets of life just as if there wasn't a God. I'm just looking at things under the sun for right now. Let's, let's, not, let's not think about heaven. You know what he said? Without God, it's all vanity. I couldn't, get, I couldn't find contentment anywhere. I had, he, had, he had all the... He could buy anything he wanted. He could build anything he wanted. He could have singers and servants and... I'll get fulfilled with music. I'll get fulfilled with riches. I'll get fulfilled with, with gardens and animals. and sir. He tried everything and he said it's all vanity. What did he say? This is the whole duty of man. What? Fear God and keep his commandments. <laughs> he, found, he could find no contentment in things apart from God. By the way, that's a good lesson by example, isn't it? <laughs> that's a good negative lesson. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't try to be fulfilled uh, in things. <clears throat> Thirdly, so thirdly, 
Contentment is learned through experience. Through experience. Look what Paul writes in Philippians 4.12. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. You see, no doubt the Apostle Paul, by the way, he read his Bible too, amen? He had learned some examples of contentment, no doubt, from reading the scriptures. He had learned the way that we did it. He learned from what the Bible said. He learned from the examples of men and women in the Bible that fought. He learned about contentment, but God wasn't done with him yet. God says, I'm going to take you through some of the paths of life that your feet are going to walk. And this will be necessary for you, Paul and... Bob and Chris and Brian and Austin. And this will be necessary for you to learn contentment. See, there's some things we have to experience if we're going to learn it. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed to be full, to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He writes this letter after a letter from prison after 25 years of faithful ministry. Yet God teaches him. He drives, drives him through these experiences, leads him through these things, these circumstances of life. He literally learned how to be poor. Uh, he, learned, he learned how to be poor and still live for God and still glorify God. He learned how to be wealthy and still living for God. We consider Paul's life and uh, <clears throat> it seems that the circumstances seem to point out that he may have been born with a silver spoon. He was uh, uh, from Tarsus. He says in Acts uh, 2139 he gives that testimony I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus a city of Cilicia a citizen of no mean city this isn't just Trevor city where I came from I came from Tarsus that Roman soldier knew what he was talking about Tarsus was a great city had a great history Back as far as 1200 B.C. and earlier, the uh, Hittites had uh, a prosperous city there in trade and such in Tarsus. That's a long time, folks. And some have cited even a civilization, a civilization before them having a prosperous uh, civilization there uh, in, in Tarsus. Interesting city. After the Hittite, Hittite Empire it suffered some struggles and some defeats, and it was back in prosperity again uh, during, during the uh, Medes and Persians' reign and such, and becoming a, uh, the, the, the profitable city there. Uh, at the time of, uh, of the first century, it was the jewel of Cilicia. This Tarsus was. <clears throat> the uh, first century BC, just before Christ came on the scene, of course, uh, Rome was uh, coming in and taking over, uh, becoming the world power there. And... Uh, Rome had their uh, civil war and uh, Julius Caesar, uh, of course, being killed and such. And uh, his generals, uh, Octavian and, and uh, Mark Antony, uh, doing battles thereafter. After uh, Caesar, after Julius Caesar was killed, assassinated, uh, Cleopatra, Queen of Egypt uh, needed to 
uh, wanted the support of Rome and and uh, now with Julius Caesar dead uh, uh, she uh, she uh, began to uh, woo, woo uh, Mark Antony and the beginning of that romance began outside the gates of Tarsus in the river there in the port river uh, where that began and uh of course, history tells us, turns out, she picked the wrong general. <laughs> uh, ended up uh, killing themselves there. And Octavian becoming the first uh, Augustus. But Tarsus, uh, the jewel of, uh, uh, of Cilicia. When Julius Caesar, when he was having that, uh, that civil war, he, uh, Tarsus had chosen his side. Uh, before he was assassinated. And for that, Julius Caesar awarded those of Tarsus Roman citizenship. Remember Paul said, I'm a Roman citizen. The soldier he was talking to, he says, I purchased mine. Paul said, I was what? Freeborn. Why? He was in Tarsus. Julius Caesar, because they had, they, Tarsus sided for him uh, in, in, instead of uh, uh, those that were against him, Octavian and such, uh, he uh, gave them Roman citizenship. He also gave them, uh, uh, made, made them tax-free tax in Tarsus. He also, Julius Caesar, allowed them to to, the Jews to freely practice their religion by the way, which continued through the emperors that would actually follow uh, Julius Caesar. It was a rich, uh, rich place. Had the, right, right on the, the river there and, uh, the, and that goes into the Mediterranean there. And so it had, it had the, all the riches of the port. And then with Rome coming along with the, road, with the roads, it became busy on land too. And that didn't, and, 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 the, and the, the business in the port, the, the sea traffic and trading and stuff, uh, didn't, didn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't eclipsed by the, land, by the land trade. It just became a great place. That's where Paul was from. And then he what? He was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. So his education is paid for outside of where he lived. I'm sure that wasn't free. <laughs> Seems he had some means. Uh, even those who, who captured him thought he did. <clears throat> Remember, the governor wanted to, when he was in that two year imprisonment in Caesarea, wanted him to, uh, uh, he'd talk a little bit more, see, see, perhaps Paul would give him some money yeah, if he just talked with him a little bit more. So Paul knew what it was, uh, what it was to have some means. And yet he also knew what it was. I think to become poor. I think he pretty much spent most of that, and I'm not going to go into all of it for time. But it seems by the time that he comes to Corinth, on that missionary journey there, he comes back from on that uh, uh, journey from uh, uh, from Thessalonica, comes to Corinth and such, and uh, that Philippian church just planted and starts giving to him. Thessalonica and probably Corinth. It may be Corinth was a time of refreshing, of, of, of replenishing uh, of Paul and his means. Because remember, the church at Philippi started giving to him. And also, what did he do in Corinth for a year and a half? Worked as a tent maker, along with those that, that, he, that, that he lived with there. And so it seems his financial funds could be, could be replenished there. And... Uh, he knew, he knew what it was to have. He knew what it was to not have. Uh, remember when he was a prisoner on board the ship? And uh, from having something, they thought he had some money then. And, and yet, what they had to do in the ship, they had to throw everything out of the ship. Nothing! And then when they were stranded on the island of Miletus, they spent you know the, the winter there and then they, the, what they did, they gave them everything they needed when they left. Riches, poverty, riches, poverty, back and forth. By the time Paul's in prison here, he's talking about 
just having, needing his needs met. So he knew. God led him through that by experience. God will lead us through what we need. Contentment is learned through experience. Finally, contentment is learned through exercise. Through exercise. See, just because God brings, we, just because we read the word, we see the examples of other people's lives. God brings people and things and circumstances in our lives to teach us. Just because all those things happen doesn't mean we learn, does it? That's, that's the sad and sobering part about us. We can go through a whole lot and still not learn much. <laughs> you see, we have to receive these things. And what? Want to learn from them. We have to remember when that trial comes. Okay, God's got something for me in this. I don't know what it is now. There'll be some virtue that he will bring forth in my life or polish in my life. There'll be some spiritual lesson that he teaches me. There'll be some sin that he shows me. There'll be some, something about his grace that he showed that I can... There's something that's going to make me uh, more like Jesus Christ and, and render more praise unto his name in this somewhere and somehow. And I'm going to begin praying for him to show me. And God, don't let me miss it. Sometimes he's trying to... Our love for this world and for our own selves and things is so hard to tear loose. Sometimes God in love has to work pretty hard for us to let go of this life and lay hold on eternal life. Sometimes, you know, is anything too hard for God? Uh, uh, no, no, there's not. But, uh, but I imagine if, if he had to list one thing that was, he'd probably list that. Tearing our hearts away from the world. And not having any idols. What did John say in his closing in his letter? Little children, what? Keep yourselves from idols. You do that. There's some spiritual strength there, you see. Some spiritual strength there. Learning through experience. Experience. Paul experienced God's sufficiency. By the way, they began to give again. Paul says, you've done well that you ministered to me. Why, why do you say that? Because even though God takes care of Paul, and Paul is content in all circumstances, doesn't remove their responsibility to minister when they can well, they'll be okay. God will take care of them. Well, yeah, maybe God's calling you to take care of them. Maybe God's calling me to take care of them. Maybe God, God will take care of them, but he plans on doing it through your eye. You say, well, I guess God's just out of luck then. No, he's not. He'll just find somebody else if you and I won't, and we'll, and we'll miss the blessing and probably receive some chastening along the way, which we need. We got to remember. Uh, exercise. Uh, they gave, and Paul said, "You know, in receiving this, he says, uh, you give not because I desire a gift, but I desire a fruit that may abound to your account.'" And so he tells them later on in the chapter, "My God shall supply all your need according to His rich and glory, riches and glory by Christ Jesus." God would provide for them. Contentment. <clears throat> receiving it. Those things which he have what both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Here's this trial. It's all happened. I've read about it. I've seen examples. I'm going to receive this God for me. Now I want to learn, actually learn, not just in my head, but that, that will affect my walk in life. 
and my faith and trust toward God and love toward Him. A practical, what? Sanctification from this trial, from this struggle that will help me be what? More content. More content. God will work that in, in you and I. What do we work for? Ephesians 4.28 Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Wow. Don't hear that definition of work much, do we? <laughs> God says, why do we work? Oh, I, I, I provide you work so you can give when I call you to. To him that needeth. You say, well, what if I just hold it all for myself? That's what the Dead Sea does. <laughs> it holds all the water for itself. It has no outlet. By the way, that's why there's no life in the Dead Sea. See? Because you can hold it all you want. You're just, you're just going to be like dead. You're going to, you're going to start to smell like dead fish, I guess. You, know? uh, you won't be happy. You won't be content. If we don't. Let God flow through us. It's got to be exercised. It's got to be exercised. Hebrews tells us that in closing. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are, what's it say? Exercised hereby. You see, if all we can do in our trial is grumble and complain, why God this, why God that, and we're not willing to be exercised by it, we're going to miss it. Those of you who work out, many in here have some kind of an exercise program that you go through. You know, when you get done doing the exercise, many times you hurt. You know why? It hurts. Because when you exercise and build muscle, you're actually tearing muscle. And then as you get the rest in between, that, that muscle grows stronger and, and, and grows back together and becomes stronger. But it does that through pain, through the tearing of that muscle. See? If trials didn't hurt, we wouldn't grow. <laughs> Okay? That's just part of exercise. That makes us more earnest when we cry out to God, doesn't it? We pour that heart out to God. I've had many trials that I've not handled well. <laughs> I'd be a lot better Christian than I am today if I if I'd have been if I had been determined to be exercised through every one of them. I can tell you that right now. But I'm thankful for the ones that I have learned that through, and that God has allowed me to grow through simply because I learned to receive that the way the the Word directs us to, and by the way, the way that so many other have before me amen and those that I've seen in examples of life and then we experience that that working and that peace that only God can give I can tell you this I would not have near near the view of the greatness of God in my life if he hadn't brought the trials in my life that he's brought. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know the mercies that I know now from those things. And I understand he's not done. There's probably going to be some more that I'll need to learn some more <laughs> and grow some more. I'll need some more pain here and there. We all do. But we've got to remember We've got to remember the one who has our hand, amen. We've got to remember the heart that's leading us through that. By the way, nothing's too hard for him. He can handle it. If God allowed it in your life, you can handle it through him. Amen. And we just need to hold tight to that hand, amen.
Let him lead through that fog. When it comes out on the other side, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be clearer, or at least it'll be as clear as he wants to make it for you now. And we can trust his heart in that. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, when I see contentment in your word, I have to think about the Lord Jesus. The point in time in which you chose to send him into this world. The persecution that was going on. The lack of comfort. Temporal things in his life that he lived through in the 33 plus little more years that he was here in that body. I think of the weariness, the pain, the betrayal. And yet, he was a joyous man, your son, while he was here. We understand that. He told his disciples these things right unto you that your joy may be full. He says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. They had no questions about that. They knew what he was talking about. He was joyous even though he was homeless at times. Jesus Christ, your son in the flesh, was joyous even when he was betrayed by his friends. He showed his enemies true love speaking harshly to the ones who needed it speaking gently to the lost who though wicked would receive the truth Father help us and make us more like Jesus Father I pray anyone out there who's never trusted Christ would simply just do it or they can go to our website and look up how to be saved and in a moment trust you as Savior. They can pick up a gospel track. And Father, for all of us as believers, we're past that point. We have thankfully and gloriously and wondrously been born again. And now, because we're born again, you have called us unto holiness and unto Christ's likeness. And you don't want to be separated from us even for a moment you didn't design us for that you want us to be depending upon you and calling upon you every step of the way even as our body needs our brain every moment for strength for direction for power father help us to learn more each have a deeper relationship with you personally Father, continue to help us working together and worshiping you as a church to accomplish your will here. Father, we pray and we ask it in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.